Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Amy Hines, Simon Pound. A huge response to Amy's I've been thinking. Uh, she ascertained that libraries, as part of a mix of ideas, is a nice-to-have, yes, big response. We might come back to that later uh, in the week uh, as part of a snap panel poll. We'll read a couple of uh, bits of feedback out later on. But to this first, Woolworths says there has been a 131% rise in physical assaults against its staff in the last six months compared to the same time last year. The supermarket chain formerly known as Countdown is launching a campaign calling for respect in the lead-up to the holiday period. It's also spending tens of millions of dollars on safety measures, such as walkie-talkies, fog cannons and body cameras. One spokesperson said things have got... So bad, $45 million had to be spent to ensure stores are safer for staff and customers. With us is Ross Lambert, his first union retail organiser. Ross, kia ora. Kia ora. Firstly, Ross, what do supermarket staff say to you about this? Are you hearing this? Yeah. Um, you know, safety and security is one of the major issues that uh, we hear about all the time. Um, obviously, this comes down to a number of factors, and it, that is inclusive of ensuring that there's um, safer stores in a number of ways, both physically, um, but also, you know, ensuring that, that the customers are treating people with respect and dignity. Um, we're absolutely supportive of the company's um, approach on this, and we think this really ought to be broadened out to a broader retail um, industry campaign. Well, that's interesting. So broaden out away from, yeah, and look, I'd be interested to hear from uh, listeners who are working in the retail sector. Does this square with what you're seeing? Are customers, uh, you know, really rude to you where uh, you work? Nonetheless, I guess my first thought, Ross, is um, it would be the last thing you want. You know, you get up early, you wake up, you you bus or drive to work only to to be expecting a bit of abuse from a customer, not good. Right, right. And, you know, especially, you know, these these folks are um, doing the work to help the customers. And they shouldn't be treated with anything less than a, a respectful interaction. Um, and there's really not a, a good excuse for it. I mean, look, I understand that, that economic times are hard. Things, are, things are, are difficult for people. People are facing a lot of pressures. But that's no excuse to take it out on uh, the person in front of you at the retail counter who's just trying to help you out. Mm. I, I've got to. I've got to admit, um, Amy. When I go to my particular um, supermarket and I try to find that special little pickle that I like, which is very specific, and I ask uh, a local uh, staff member, they are almost universally polite. And, uh, you know, such wonderful customer service. That's in the supermarket I go to. But, Amy, you've had a bit of experience in the retail area. Um, Any thoughts, questions on this? Yeah, look, I think this has just been a growing problem that we've had for over three plus years. This is before things got expensive and goes across the entire retail sector. Um, personally, I think this is the issue about actually how New Zealanders view retail workers and those who work in the retail sector. I think they actually fundamentally are looking down on people here and that also extends into the services sector and around hospitality and they're just simply not treating them right. I mean, from my experience when I've seen, it's like there's a whole lot of New Zealanders who need to take a breather 
together and actually think about that simple adage, like treat someone how you want to be treated. They're not there just to serve you and for you to treat them in any shape or form. And just because they're a retail worker doesn't mean you can get away with it. Like we really have to think about this ourselves as a community and actually put the value back into those businesses who are all through, throughout our communities. Is that a fair thing? It's a pretty big call, Ross, to say that um, Kiwis look down their noses uh, at uh, those working on the front lines of customer service and the likes of the supermarkets or retail in general. What do you think? Well, you know, I think unfortunately uh, there is some aspect to that. And, uh, you know, look, these are the very same people that were hailed as as heroes Mm -hmm. during the pandemic and during uh, the COVID response when they were out there on the front lines, making sure that the shelves were stocked and that everybody was able to eat and and everything was good. These are the people that did that work. And, you know, we called them essential workers, showing the true value um, to our society of the work that they're doing. Mm. And yet, you know, nowadays, it seems like, you know, people are, are just coming in and abusing people, unfortunately. Mm. Well, um, there's, there, there, there's the... Not, yeah. No, it, well, there's it, the question, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, Ross. Um, there, there's the question, isn't it? Uh, do uh, Kiwis look down their noses at retail staff in general? I'd like to hear your thoughts, 2101. Simon, what do you think on that? I've done a lot of work in hospo and retail. Okay, so uh, and, is Amy um, right? I reckon <laughs> that you can tell an enormous amount about someone by how they treat the help or exactly. the, the the waiter or the you know the people around them. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a horrible thing that there has been this rise. And I do wonder. I mean, obviously, we need to. Um, put in infrastructure to help protect people but it almost feels like it's part of the dehumanizing or the separation between people and these workers like if you go into a dairy and a person's behind like as much plexiglass as in robocop and i understand it's for safety and you, you know it's very important to do but it does make you feel like you're further away or you're in a place that isn't like New Zealand, you know, it feels so. It feels so alien. So, yeah, it, 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 it's a horrendous situation for these people who are in these stores day after day and so vulnerable that they're needing to do these things. Well, here's another one. Tauranga libraries have security guards because of abuse to our uh, librarians uh, there. Um, on one level, Ross, and not excusing it at all, but customers also are under the gun. Um, there might be product shortages, staff shortages, meaning that there perhaps might not be the same level of customer service. And let's not forget adhering to a very strict budget when, you know, let's face it, some of these supermarket prices are are pretty up there. So that could be also part of it. Oh, absolutely. And and I understand uh, people's frustrations and their um, you know, there's situations in terms of, you know, uh, life being difficult. It is difficult. There's things are getting harder. Um, the economy has, the inflation rate has, has really risen. And the cost of goods is, is quite expensive. Um, so, yeah, I can understand that. But it's still not, I mean, you just don't go in and, and abuse the nearest person just because you're having um, a difficult time. Well, um, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not the way we should be acting no, towards one another. No, here's yeah. one. David says, my brother-in-law treats waiters like crap. It's like as soon as he is paying for something, he treats them like they have no feelings. 
or if they do, then they just don't matter to him. What an extraordinary text. Yeah, Christmas must be fun. (laughs) 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 But I think that just, like, encompasses, right? Like, we have to have a zero tolerance. Like, I just don't... People just need to treat people nicely. It's it's a zero tolerance post, regardless of what's going on or anything like that, because that person on the other side has also a family. They potentially have to go home to partners and kids. You know, that impacts them, how you treat them, just the same way as how someone else treating you badly comes through, um, treats you. It comes down to treating people nicely. The mental health impacts are wide. It's more than just getting on and do your job here. Um, it, it has to have a zero tolerance here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I doubt, I doubt. And, I, and I think... Oh, go keep, ahead. Keep going, Ross. Sorry, sorry, you keep going. Oh, okay. So I was going to say that, you know, one of the one of the things that you raised, Wallace, was um, around the the staffing. Um, you know, yeah, one of the things that we often talk about, I and mean, that is the other major issue that we often hear about with uh, retail workers, is essentially uh, low staffing. And that has impacts on both customer service and, of course, on the workers themselves, in terms of um, the amount of the workload that they have. Um, and, you know, that puts them under a lot of stress. There's, we have um, a campaign around safe staffing, and, and we're, we're actually actively working with uh, Woolworths to, on a working party to try to address safe staffing um, and, get, uh, you know, some recognition of a safe staffing minimum standard in right. place. Yeah, it's very interesting, Ross, uh, and quite a, bit, a lot of response on this, so I, I do appreciate your time. That's Ross Lampert there, first union retail organiser. Garnier, who is uh, listening, says, I work uh, at a supermarket. While it's nice to hear your guests say some nice things, the attitude that it's just a customer behaviour problem is misidentifying the issue and won't change anything for staff. It is worth noting that one of the most common reasons for customers to get frustrated so frustrated that they become aggressive is that they usually have reasonable expectations of service, which, when not met, they cannot talk to anyone who can address their problem. Management is intentionally at arm's length from customers and aren't incentivized based on customer uh, service. Um, yeah, a uh, lot of... Uh, a lot of theatre. Chris here, I used to be the theatre manager for St James in Wellington. Many of the potential audience members treated my staff as lower class people, yet most mm. were tertiary qualified people working in theatre because of their interest in theatre. It's much the same now owning the locals' cafe in a place like, say, Wanaka. Many t- tourists talk down to my staff. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, a really big response. Uh, uh, on that. It's 18 past for the panel. We are with uh, Amy Hines and Simon Pounder this afternoon. Now, I'm going to be coming back to this topic because I went to a function in Tamaki Makaurau, Auckland, after work yesterday, and quite a number of people just could not get there. Why? Because it was raining, traffic was very bad, and so the talk of the night was actually congestion. Uh, it's been a big issue, both the potential congestion charge facing Auckland and this three hour plus long wait getting out of a mall in Newmarket due to traffic. We talked yesterday about that on the panel. Uh, Auckland Council voted 1912 for a congestion charge. That will need government support obviously. With us is senior writer for the New Zealand Herald Simon Wilson. He's addressed this issue uh, of uh, congestion charge in an opinion piece today. Kia ora, Simon. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it were the number one Auckland issue. It just affects every aspect of uh, life, whether it be stuck on Lake Road, coming into the Southern uh, Highway. What do you reckon? Uh, it's right up there. Um, there are some others in Auckland, uh, state of the health system in the south of the city, uh, housing and, of course, uh, retail crime. Uh, but yeah. road congestion is, is absolutely up there. Tell me, is congestion a city-wide issue or is it a hot spots issue? Uh, in my view, it's a citywide issue. Um, our mayor, Wayne Brown, has described it as a hotspot issue, a couple of places on the motorway where he wants to introduce time of use charging, um, which is a version of congestion charging. Uh, but uh, if you were to, you mentioned Lake Road, uh, Lake Road is one of the many arterials around this city uh, which get clogged up all the time. Um, lunch times, uh, school, with yeah. the time when school's out, and of course weekend traffic, particularly on Saturdays, uh, all over the city, uh, not just on the motorways, uh, there are real problems. Well, uh, Simon and Amy will have you on this, I'll just want more from me though, but um, perhaps the biggest response we had yesterday, and I want you to address this, Simon, is that um, uh, the, everyone's all on board with this, if and if Auckland had decent public transport and that was the main thing coming through from listeners you address is what do you say yes so so uh, it is it is right Auckland needs better public transport but I also say uh, that for many parts of the city already uh, the public transport is pretty good it is getting better we know that Kiwi Rail is fixing the rail lines and that's been extremely disruptive that will finish next year Uh, we know the CRL will come on come on stream and that will double the rail capacity we know there are extensions to the northern busway. The eastern busway is being built. We've just had a western express line put in for buses. Uh, there are more and better bus services coming. Uh, we need more and we need more and we need more. But one of the things about the argument that we've got to wait until the public transport is ready is that that will condemn us to not doing anything. And it comes along in the context where, you know, um, as the Herald reported the other day, in Newmarket uh, on Saturday afternoon, shoppers took up to three hours to get out of their car park. I was actually in that mall on Saturday afternoon. Oh, were you? It was, it, yeah, it happened. It was busy, uh, it, but it was no busier than you, you would expect the month before Christmas. Um, and it is so you accept it? You, you, well, you, no, you, I, don't, I don't accept it because Newmarket is one of the parts of the city that already has excellent public transport. And I don't want this to sound like I'm coming out the wrong way or anything, but the best way to get to Newmarket for a lot of people is on the train. That's how I got there. Uh, and on buses, there are bus routes from uh, many different bus routes that go through Newmarket. And if you're doing your supermarket shop, yep, there's a good argument for you to take your car. But if you're going to buy a couple of things in the boutiques or you're going to have lunch and see a movie or whatever, there's not such a good reason to buy it. Okay. Stay this time. Let's go around the panel and then come back to you. Amy, I mean, you're based in Wellington, but you would have, you would have knowledge of Auckland, and indeed congestion's not an issue uh, for Auckland's alone. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, I'm a former Aucklander living in Wellington for, ah. for my sins, you know. Um, look, I think this is a really good argument around the fact of what do we move first and the chess pieces. And I think it's, a, it's an issue that both, all cities are facing around what happens. You know, Christchurch was facing it around the rebuild. Wellington is facing it significantly about what, what piece to move first. And I think it's a relevant idea to have that conversation for it first and decide, decide what needs to happen in order to make things um, move forward, forgive the pun in that sense. Uh, Simon? 
Yeah. Pound? Yeah. Simon Pound first. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, si- Simon Wilson. Like, I think that point is so well made that I, I'm an Aucklander and re- you know regularly use public transport, and I find that the people who think that Auckland's public transport is terrible and the trains are crap and there's no buses for people are people who don't have hop cards well, and don't on, on. regularly you're, use public transport. Lots of people you're have... You're disrespecting the panel listeners. <laughs> who, all say, who all say the opposite of what you're well, just saying. Well, I, I wonder, like, unless you're regularly using a hop card I, I, I find that most people who have the most problems are the people who use it the, the least frequently and there, there is you know there's a lot to be done and there's you know um, a, a lot to come in with the city rail link helping um, helping to unlock the capacity of the network and uh, if we could have more busways that actually were totally detached like the wonderful northern busway like there's definitely things that could improve right but the system isn't that bad and it's been kind of great to see how wayne brown has actually started to even if this isn't the exact solution that i would go for started to look at some of these ideas that um you wouldn't perhaps have expected him to look at and i really like the way that you picked that up in your article simon and also there's a fantastic article in the last metro by hayden donnell that looks at the way that he has been as a mayor um working with more progressive uh, councillors no. and being involved in, in in causes that have you know traditionally been more progressive. Final response, Simon. I don't, I don't think I've heard from you regarding this. Uh, will tolls help, or they just transfer the issue to those uh, minor roads? Well, um, if you're going to put tolls on just a couple of roads, then uh, you're going to have a lot of people thinking, how do I avoid paying that by going another route? There is some evidence against that, and it's the toll that's on the northern motorway at the moment, uh, which means that uh, people using the toll toll motorway miss out going through Oriwa. Uh, they can still go through Oriwa, but almost nobody does. Uh, so no. there's evidence that in that kind of situation, a toll will work well. But if you're talking about a toll on a road that's surrounded by other roads uh, as the suggested uh, roads that Wayne Brown's um, looked at uh, then there's a really strong incentive for people to get off the motorway and find another way to go and that absolutely undermines what motorways are for. Motorways are meant to take traffic off local roads and it was really instructive in 2021 when the select committee looking at this whole issue came to Auckland. There were a whole lot of submissions. I was sitting in the room when the AA said we surveyed our members and I think the figure was 40% of them, or possibly more, uh, say that they would uh, look for different yeah. ways to drive to avoid the, the fee. And, and, and you know, that's, that, that's not what you want to encourage. Okay, very interesting piece, Simon. Kia ora. Thanks for your time this afternoon. That is uh, Simon Wilson there. He's the senior writer for the New Zealand Herald. Uh, interesting piece, actually, on congestion charging. It's such a big issue, isn't it, if you live uh, in Auckland. Um, now, uh, John Erickson, he's the secretary of the Newmarket Community Association. He's written in. Uh, the issue in Newmarket, John says, last weekend is because the road network in the area is designed to maximise opportunities for cars to enter the car parks and for rat running from motorway ramps to from local suburbs. Smart, flexible design could manage the issues that recently arose. Uh, loving you coming to this afternoon. Thank you so much for that. Uh, 27 past four. We are with uh, Simon Pound this afternoon. Also uh, in Wellington, Amy Hines. Now, Amy is a senior consultant at Firm Capital. And to this, now, yesterday we touched on the rise and rise of event 
ticket prices. Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up show. Tickets are going for uh, up to 840 to see Jerry Seinfeld. And that's not VIP either. That's just up the front. There are the cheaper ones. But it did lead us to a question. What event for you would almost be beyond price? What would you fork mega bucks for if you could? Would it be Steely Dan? <laughs> Take the words out of our mouths. <laughs> yeah, exactly what we're going to say. Just speechless. <laughs> what just me? Now? Would it be Kate Bush? Who would it be for you? Text me two one zero one with us is uh, Grant. Welcome to the panel, Grant. Good. So nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Who did you see? I saw Joan Byers in oh. Wellington. Love it, love it. Um, how much did you spend, can I ask? Um, at age 78, memory's not good, but um, I, I believe I, uh, the ticket was somewhere near $300. Okay. But it was the, um, up on the balcony overlooking the stage. So, um, But, you know, I just paid it. I just wanted to go. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? It's, it's a beyond-price gig. And that was a few years ago, so that would have been... You know, that would have been a lot of money back then. It, it, it was, but, um, you know, some, some things, you know, I'm a bit of a, bit of a uh, sad case when it comes to Joan Byers. I've probably got every LP and CD <laughs> she ever put out, um, and I just I just love her voice, um, yeah. and the chances of seeing her live was just you know, not to be missed. And nearly 10 years on, do you regret it? No way. <laughs> I just wish she'd come out again. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan too. In fact, um, uh, Grant, I had the pleasure of interviewing Joan Baez on this station um, a few years back, and that was a very special moment because, I mean, what an icon, right? Around the panel on this. Um, oh, Grant, thanks for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, Bye. Around the panel, so that's Joan Baez there. Amy, is there, a, is there a beyond price gig for you at all? Um, look, I think right now, if I was probably to say, it would probably going to see you two in the sphere at Las Vegas at the moment. Well, that is very interesting because can I just say the the one and only Emil Donovan, who's going to be the new no- host of Nights, he said the same thing to me this afternoon. We talked <laughs> about this, and for him, it would be you two. Have you seen you two, Amy? Yeah, I did at Mount Smart when Kanye West opened oh. many, many years ago. What was it like? Oh, it was amazing. But to think about it, the sphere is, um, yeah, it just seems like it's mind-blowing, that sense of thing. I think what the, one of the things here is, though, it's kind of an each-to-own, isn't it, right? Like, yeah. I paid a ridiculous amount to take my son to see Ed Sheeran, and I am hate him. Yeah. <laughs> but that moment for him was priceless as a mum, right? Like, um, and obviously there is, you know, I mean, it's a pretty ridiculous. Some of the prices are pretty well, ridiculous. Right. And you kind of hope that promoters aren't, outpricing people to have mm. that moment because they create such awesome memories. I mean, mm. I can remember my first ever big concert, the 2000 Big Day Out. I can remember every single headline, every moment. You know, it, it's, they're cool memories they create. That was you. a big one too, the 2000 BDO. Oh, yeah, the, that was that was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blink yes. 2. I broke my ribs at the front of the mush pit. Chemical Brothers, you know. Oh. Yeah, it was a good one. That was like the last big one, right? There's Pounder's Eyes of Water at the Memories. Yeah. Tool Kept was there. Tool. Nine Inch Snails, yeah. Nine Inch Snails, yeah. yeah. Uh, people are saying uh, I, would, I would pay beyond price for Neil Young. Um, Barbara Streisand, two people are saying, Ooh. which is interesting because you'd, the, Barbara Streisand would c- command huge, huge money. 
I went to see Yehudi Minuin in the 60s. It cost £9. It was priceless. Um, yeah, amazing. Someone says, this is all a big waste of money. Go and see Luke Hurley busking for free. Yeah. Um, what about... I, uh, one of my favourite gigs I ever went to was Neutral Milk Hotel playing at the King's Arms. And that was amazing because they broke up on the verge of becoming very successful and then reformed 20-odd years later, actually because of um, Chris Knox. Uh, was how He was very influential, and, and, and after a stroke, they all got back together to support him. Uh, and, then, and then enjoyed the experience and then did a world tour. And it was magic because there were a bunch of people who were almost extraordinarily famous and then weren't. Mm. And it was never thought that they'd play together. And then here they were in this room Amazing. with a whole lot of fans from 20 years ago <laughs> playing this absolutely it's magic wonderful. music and everyone was ecstatic. I'm getting jealous now of all the uh, tests coming through. Philip says, my partner booked us tickets to see James Taylor in Lake Como, Italy. Cost thousands and it was so worth it. Uh, you're on the panel on RNZ National. It's just uh, past 4.30. It is time for Headlines.